T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Everybody on their feet. Green sets, fires. A swing and a drive to deep right. Away back. Back with more inside the clubhouse with Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago's sports station. Man, that sounds good. And I wish it was now, I wish it was current, but at least we've got that to hear. It's inside the clubhouse and 670 The Score, this hour of which is brought to you by Way Back In. And that call heard on the flagships WTAM and WMMS in Cleveland from our next guest, Bruce, who joins us on the Alpamonte Ford Hotline. Our good friend Tom Hamilton, who presents you with excitement and joy and verve every time he takes the microphone, joins us from his home on Inside the Clubhouse this Saturday morning. Good morning, Tom. How are you? Um, good morning, Bruce. Good morning, Matt. Uh, great to hear you guys. Thanks for having me. And unfortunately... Uh, listening back to that call just dawned on me. That's the last playoff game the Indians won. Uh, came from way behind to beat the Yankees in game two of the 2017 division series and then, you know, get swept the next three and then got swept by Houston in 18. So kind of kind of bittersweet when you look at that. Yeah, it really is. Uh, you know, knowing the times right now and as we await out uh, this uh, pandemic and hopefully uh, people – We'll stay well and we'll start turning the corner. What have you been doing to uh, pass the time? What have you been hearing from the Cleveland Indian organization as to possibilities of the future? Well, I'm doing exactly what my wife tells me to do, Bruce. I have found that (laughs) (laughs) I have have learned that the ultimate boss is her. But uh, no, in in seriousness, no, we we are. We are. we have four children, but unfortunately, they're spread all over the country. So as a parent, you're always worried about that. But uh, my wife and I have, you know, spent obviously quality time together. And, and you know what? You just count your blessings every day and you thank the good Lord that you're healthy and you're not going through some of the issues that, you know, some of these poor people are going through, you know, around the country. And, you know, you see how badly it's it's hit parts of Chicago and whatnot. We've been more fortunate here in Cleveland and 
I'm not pointing fingers at anybody, but I do think that the governor of Ohio has has been a a leader in that regard. You know, Ohio was kind of shut down, guys, before a lot of other states were. And uh, if you remember, and it seems almost like another century ago, uh, but the governor was the first person that came out and said, okay, you can have the NCAA tournament, you know, the play-in games in Dayton and all of that. And there was going to be a regional here in Cleveland, but he, he was the one that said there will be no fans attending those games. And, you know, when that first came out, you were like, huh? And, you know, little did we know that that was just the tip of the iceberg. So we're, we're very fortunate and just like everybody else, uh, hopeful and, and that we can get back to whatever the new norm is going to be. Tom, you're absolutely right that the, um, the Ohio governor was, has been uh, progressive and been uh, very based in the science. And, and, and I wonder, since you notice that, as you hear about these plans, the, you know, the, the quarantine in a bubble plan that's been floated about baseball in Arizona and maybe <clears throat> baseball in Arizona and Florida, it, I, I love it. And as a baseball fan, it's so inspiring to hear about. And I'm, I'm allowing myself to dream about it. But the science, uh, the, the science of it sure does feel implausible and a little dangerous, doesn't it? Yeah, you know, I, I, um, I agree, Matt. It's, um, I, I just don't, you know, I think that's the problem for all of us. And certainly for, and there's an awful lot of people a lot smarter than me. But, I mean, I mean when, when your own medical people you know, whether it's here at the clinic um, or, you know, when you're watching the national press conference every day and, and the doctors that appear on that national scene, nobody knows what the answer really is or when the end is. And, and you know, I think everyone agrees um, probably no one's going to feel great about anything until there's a vaccine and who knows how far away that is. Uh, I, I think, you know, and I give baseball a lot of credit there, they're trying to think outside the box. And I know in, in talking to people in our organization, you know, this is going on daily um, with all Major League Baseball teams. And they're all talking, you know, with MLB and, and Rob Manfred and all the people that be in New York. I, I just think any idea that any of us can come up with is on the table. And I, I don't know if some of these stories are getting leaked or if some of this is a little ahead of time in its releasing, or if you're just trying to throw a trial balloon out there and see what people think. But um, I'm in agreement there. There seem to be an awful lot of hurdles, but I, I think it's great that we have something to maybe think about, talk about whether it becomes a reality or not. It certainly has given us something to, to ponder here over the last week. But uh, I, I think for any sport right now, um, we're still a ways away from playing. The fabulous voice of the Cleveland Indians, Mr. Tom Hamilton, joining us on Inside the Clubhouse for a few more minutes. Tom, uh, back to the baseball part of it. Uh, what did you see from the Indians in early spring training? We know it all ended on March 12th, uh, but uh, from the perspective of the, the health of that team, people forget it was a very good team last year that just yeah. missed the playoff and a 92-93 win team. Uh, you know, people just kind of, you know, automatically say, well, the White Sox are going to be right there, uh, you know, with Minnesota and, and kind of just look by Cleveland, which has been uh, an outstanding team every year that uh, Terry Francona has been the manager there. Yeah, Bruce, I still think, you know, they went to spring training 
um, with a legitimate chance to play in October. And I, I think that's all you can hope for is that you have a legitimate chance to play in October. What is going to happen over the course of a six-month baseball season, again, is so unpredictable. Injuries say, play such a big part of it as it did a year ago uh, for the Indians. They, just, they ran out of gas, and they really ran out of gas. If you remember, Bruce, in Chicago, the last week of the yep. season, the Indians brought back Jose Ramirez, who had an incredible recovery. I mean, he had been out a month with that broken hamate bone and surgery, and that, that's normally anywhere from a six- to eight-week injury. He came back in a month, and if you remember, his first at-bat in Chicago, he hit a grand slam. Yep. His next at-bat, he hit a three-run homer, and that's what the Indians had missed for that month. He had really pretty much put the team on his back and carried them uh, until, you know, for June, July, and part of August until the broken hamate. That was the last game the Indians won. Uh, the White Sox won the last two games, and that pretty much took the air out of the Indians' balloon. And, you know, they finished in D.C. and, and had 93 wins. Normally, you know, that that's two more wins than they had the year before when they, they won the division. So they had a good year considering everything. This spring, it was hard to get a handle on it, Bruce, from the standpoint we had so many injuries early uh, with Carlos Carrasco and Mike Clevenger. Uh, and then Emmanuel Classe, who was in the Corey Kluber trade that is supposed to be such a big part of the bullpen and a future closer. So I think if healthy, the Indians still have the best rotation in the Central Division. You know, the bullpen, I think with everybody's bullpen, that's always a wait and see. You know, never do you guarantee yourself from one year to the next that you're going to have a good bullpen. But I still think they have enough pitching they will be a factor in this division. Um, I think the White Sox are really talented, really good. You know, Bruce, they remind me a lot of some of our young ball clubs from the standpoint, be it the 90s or whatnot. And when I say that, I mean, we had so much young talent back at that time. And, and again, with a lot of this group that's currently with the Indians ball club, you just never know when all of that talent is going to blossom, mature, and become a winner. The toughest step to take is that step that you take from being around a 500 club to being a team with a target on your back and being able to legitimately go out and finish the deal. And, you know, the White Sox are a long way away from a 500 club a year ago, but I sure think they have the talent to take a, a quantum step forward. Loved what they did in the off season. I just thought it was really going to be a fun year in that you were going to have three bona fide teams that could have all possibly made the playoffs in Minnesota, Chicago, and Cleveland. And, you know, I, I just thought that this division, for whatever reason, loves to be the whipping boy from the national standpoint. But, you know, you know, nobody wants to talk about White Sox winning a World Series the next year, the Tigers getting to the World Series. Um, you know, look what was happening with the Indians and uh, in Kansas City, you know, those three years in a row from, uh, what, 16, 15, and 14, the American League was represented by a team from the Central. People seem to forget that. They focus on the fact that we had three teams rebuilding over the last couple of years, but the rebuilding is over in Chicago. It's time for them to take that step forward and win, and I think they're ready to do that. So I, I just thought we were going to have a really fun summer with Minnesota, Chicago, and Cleveland 
all legitimate playoff teams. Oh, boy, that is Indians broadcaster Tom Hamilton just making the baseball loneliness within us reach new <laughs> levels. Tom, I mean, seriously, as you talk about that division, you're absolutely right. Was so excited to watch this. We've had the uh, the good fortune of having Jim Tomey in town and, and on our radio shows um, several times, you know, over the last couple of years. And and I, and I, of course, keep bringing up those 90s Indians as the model for what the White Sox dream of being, where all the position players kind of arrive together and grow together through the minors mm-hmm. and then continue to grow together at the major league level. Um, and, and we've talked to him about it. But from your perspective, and, and you wrote a book, you and Terry Pluto wrote a book together about the Indians between 94 and 97. But let's ask you about the couple years before that, which is where the White Sox are. What did you see those young Indians players learning together that, that, that maybe doesn't happen if they all don't kind of arrive at the same time and have that cohesive core that is the similar White Sox dream? Well, I, I think, Matt, I, I think the best teams are the teams that, as you talked about, the core come up together. They play together in the minor leagues. They forge relationships and friendships in the minor leagues. You know, one of the things that I think set the Indians back, well, I know it did, and it set them back significantly, was that 1993, the last year at Municipal Stadium, was a lost season. Um, That was the year of the voting tragedy, and we lost our closer, Steve Olin, and um, Mm -hmm. obviously uh, two other pitchers the Indians had picked up. Tim Cruz tragically died in that voting accident, and Bobby Ojeda was really never the same after that. When you just take away the baseball aspect of it, um, the loss of of those players was significant. But that ball club for the first half of that year was shell-shocked, played like they were in a daze. And you know what? Rightfully so. I think that pointed out how close that team was. And, you know, you, you just don't overcome tragedies of that nature. Hopefully nobody ever has to go through something like that as an organization in any sport. But I think at the end that the closeness and the camaraderie that that team had helped catapult them the last half of 93. And then when they went and added and see what, where where the comparison comes for me, Matt and Bruce is the white Sox did what the Indians had done. And that is you let these young kids play. You let them get their teeth banged in. That That's part of the, the learning process. Mm-hmm. They've got to go out there and go through the growing pains. When you think your club is ready to not win but contend, then you go add the veteran pieces that the White Sox added this winter. What the Indians did, they went when that club had gotten through 93 and were going into a new ballpark, they added Oral Hershiser. They added Dennis Martinez. They added Eddie Murray. You got not only quality pitching, but you had three really critical veterans that could lead in the clubhouse, in particular Eddie Murray and um, Oral Hershiser. And to me, that's what the White Sox did, and that is you supplement those young kids with proven winners, with proven veterans, and you, you just can't have 25 kids in their first and second year and win but the white Sox have done it the right way they've let these kids grow they now feel like they're ready to contend that's when you go out and you add those veteran pieces 
And, you know, we've seen Minnesota do the same thing. And, you know, the Indians have obviously done that down through the years. And that, that's why I thought this, this season had a chance for those three teams to, to really create something. Guys, when you think of it, and I'm getting long-winded here, I apologize. In the time that we've had the Central Division, it seems like it's always dominated by one team for a stretch of time. You know, the Indians have won the division title ten times. You know, Detroit had that dominant run you know, with Miguel Cabrera and that group. Minnesota won six division titles in nine years. We have not had many years where we have had a great two-team, much less a great three-team race. I think we were getting to that point. Tom, uh, as far as managers go, I'm a huge fan personally and professionally of Terry Francona. I make no bones about it that I think he's been one of the very best uh, ever managers that I've ever seen. What, what is the magic for Terry as far as getting people to respond to his form of baseball? And, and do you feel that managers uh, can lose more games than they win? Ooh, that's a good question, Bruce. Um, no, I, I, I think the good ones, Bruce, win as many as they lose. And by that, I mean, um, we've really been blessed here in Cleveland with the front offices that we have had in my time here whether it was Hank Peters, John Hart, Danny O'Dowd, Mark Shapiro, and now, of course, Chris Antonetti and Mike Chernoff. The Indians have always been right at the the top of the ladder, so to speak, as far as quality front offices. And and I think that's been borne out by how many guys have come out of this organization and become general managers Mm -hmm. of other franchises. So that's always been in place. But Tito, to me, took us kind of out of that, you know, where you always say, hey, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Well, I'll tell you what, after 2012, uh, there was no light at the end of that tunnel. It looked like a tunnel from here to China. And, uh, um, you know, this club was just not winning, and you just didn't see where it was going. And when they got Tito to come to Cleveland, and Tito really wanted to come here after he had, in essence, been stabbed in the back in Boston, um, I think a lot of us were shocked because you're going from a club with revenues and a limitless budget to an organization and a franchise in a small market that has to have a budget and has to do things better because they can't buy their way out of mistakes. I think a lot of us were surprised, but that was the missing piece, Bruce, and that is Tito made players believe from day one that, you know, let's not talk about what we don't have. Let's not talk about the injuries maybe that we will accrue during the course of the year. Let's every day come to the park and find a way to win that night. We'll we'll not worry about a week and a half from now. We'll worry about tonight's game. And and that mindset has been in place since he came, you know, in 2013. And and so I think his biggest uh, quality among many is communication. His ability to communicate with anyone whether it's a superstar or whether it's the 25th player on a roster, they all feel important. And I think that comes from Terry being a college standout and a top draft pick to really having his career wiped out because of a severe knee injury and then becoming a bench player. He's been on both ends of that spectrum. And, you know, the thing about playing for Tito is he only, you know, he doesn't have many rules. And But you play the game the right way every day. You come prepared to play every day. 
guys always know where they stand with Tito and the way he treats people and respects people. Um, when we won the pennant in, in 2016, the next year, in 2017, Tito set aside three days where for about three hours every day before he would literally start work and Tito gets to the ballpark at probably 11 every morning. He, for three hours before that made sure that anybody in the organization, whether you worked in janitorial services or whatever, you got to have a picture with Tito in the American league championship trophy. And that that's to me, what is a great example of what separates Tito from a lot of people he doesn't think he's above people. He doesn't think he's better than people. And guys don't want to disappoint Tito. They'll they'll run through a wall for this guy, and it doesn't matter, again, what level you are, superstar or a bench player. Well, Tom, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. And, uh, you know, I, hopefully we get actual baseball to discuss, but – um, active baseball, but it is the most documented and most recorded sport in the history of mankind. So we've got a lot to look back on. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's we appreciate your time. That's for sure. Well, Matt and Bruce, thanks so much for having me on. And if I can just say quickly, um, you know, we we sure think of him every day. And I know what a loss it is to the Chicago White Sox family and to the city of Chicago in the passing away of Ed Farmer. And so many of us were friends of Ed. And I think that's the beauty of Ed. A lot of people thought, hey, I think I'm Ed's best friend. That's, that's the way Ed makes you feel. And um, our sympathies and thoughts and prayers, you know, go out to all those fans because I know how big a part of, of their life Ed was, be it the White Sox family or the fans listening. And um, just uh, he's a guy we're going to miss. We're going to miss him a whole lot. You bet. Thank you so much, Tom, for that. That was a very nice tribute to our good friend, Eddie, Eddie Farmer. Tom, thank you so much. Uh, stay healthy, stay happy, and thank you so much for contributing greatly to our show this morning. Well, again, thanks, Bruce and Matt. You want to have me on for two more hours? That'd be great. Then I don't have to attack the honey-do list. You know what? You're so good. We could just ask three or four questions, and uh, it would be it would be the easiest radio we've ever done. Tommy, thanks so much. Take care, buddy. Thanks, Be well. Guys. Be All good. Right. Tom Thanks, Hamilton, Tom. the great voice of the Cleveland <laughs> Indians, joining us on Inside the Clubhouse. Speaking of great voices, the one that we're hoping to hear from in just a few minutes, Mr. Joe Madden will be joining us at 1030 for a nice long chat as well on Inside the Clubhouse. Looking forward to that, Matt. Yeah, me too, Bruce. Uh, thanks so much to Tom Hamilton. That was uh, a pleasure. And Bruce said it. Joe Madden coming up next right here on 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome back in on 670 The Score. It is inside the clubhouse with me, Matt Spiegel. And him, Bruce Levine. We are on until 11 o'clock. Then Rosenblum and Grody after that. Um, then there's a replay of a Bears football game, which is going to be awful, awfully fun. And then at, at 5 o'clock, we roll on with our re-airs. It is World Series Game 1 from 2016, Bruce. That's tonight at 5 o'clock right here on 670 The Score. And the manager of that team, Mr. Joe Madden, Nice enough to uh, join us from Arizona for a chat this morning. Good morning, Joe. How are you doing? Hey, guys. Was that some shakedown street right there, Matty? Yes, <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Very nice. Very nice. Well done. Well done. How you guys doing? Yeah, we're doing okay, Joe. Uh, just wondering, uh, first and foremost, uh, everybody with you uh, healthy and safe and how you're spending uh, some of your days right now. Yeah, thanks, uh, Bruce. Everybody's well. Um, my kids are here in Arizona. My grandkids, I get to see them um, often enough. And uh, my mom's doing well. Beanie's back and actually in Florida with my brother right now. So she's hanging out where the weather's a little bit better. My sister, him, uh, my brother, the whole family. Jay's doing great. Um, everybody's doing well, fortunately. So we're, we're very lucky. And how about you guys? How are you guys doing? We're pretty good. We uh, we actually get to hang out together on a Saturday morning, socially distant and safely, and do this show. Um, but uh, cool. me and my my family doing pretty well, and I, I know uh, I know Bruce is remaining healthy. Bruce feeling good? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, doing doing okay. Knock on wood, and uh, we're we're all trying to, uh, you know, work in the uh, same you know mode of um, listening mm-hmm. to the authorities and staying healthy and 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 trying to uh, get over this uh, as quickly as we can. And I know that's the way to go. For you, Joe, what's your days yes. like? I mean, uh, I talked to you yesterday a little bit, and, you know, we talked uh-huh. about, you know, revisiting some uh, some old baseball history and looking on the Internet for some games. But uh, how, uh, how physically active are you? How are you uh, dealing with this uh, extra time? Actually, I'm doing okay. Um... I'm in my RV. I'm in East Mesa, uh, Arizona, not far from uh, either Sloan or Diablo Stadium. So I'm I'm getting a good ride in every day. It's been like almost an hour ride uh, daily. Uh, I'm really enjoying that. I've been um, doing some a a lot of uh, angel social media stuff more than I normally am accustomed to. A lot of I just did a walk through Genotry Park the other day, talking about that. I did a bike ride with the GoPro on. Just trying to provide content and keep people um, uh, connected. Uh, I want to stay connected. I want folks to stay connected. We, when, we're, when we're able to fire this thing back up, you want to just jump right back into it. And um, I've, I've talked uh, often talked even with the coaches. Uh, there's you can't have an on-off switch. I've talked I think to you guys about it. It's got to be a dimmer switch. Turn it back right now, but don't turn it off. It's really difficult to turn things back on if you turn them off completely. So I'm staying physically engaged. I'm, I'm reading a lot. I'm, I'm actually writing a lot. I'm doing a lot of stuff uh, creatively, I, I guess, is the best way to describe it. And I'm, in, I'm enjoying it. I really am. I've not, you know, you normally have off seasons when you're tired. And this off season right now is occurring while I actually have some energy. Uh, they normally occur in October and it's tough or, the, or November. But uh, right now, coming out of spring training, 
uh, had a, you know had some rest over the off season. So this is our second off season. By the time we get ready to go, we're all going to be very eager. You know, it's uh, it, it's a it's an mm. opportunity for all of us, isn't it? Usually we have a very full calendar and we're trying to cross yep. things off. Right now we all have a very open calendar and we're trying to fill things in that feel good to do and uh, and and good for the soul. You've always been such an interesting, interested, curious guy. What are you reading? Uh, what are you reading these days? And what are you writing, Joe? Well, I've um, I've been reading um, uh, uh, Steinbeck. Uh, Steinbeck's Travels with Charlie. I, I did a gig in Southern California at um, the Orange County Rescue Mission. And a young man came up that was uh, uh, there at that particular facility. And he came up and he talked, started talking to me about my RV and how much um, his, my RV reminded him of the book Travels with Charlie. Steinbeck goes throughout the United States in his own little makeshift RV. And he started to explain it to me. And uh, so I says, great, I'm going to buy it. And then two minutes later, he comes back with the book and gives me the book. And I didn't realize uh, what a great writer Steinbeck actually was. I really loved the, his method of prose, and I really got into it. So um, I'm there right now. I'm there, but I'm there. I'm, I'm all over the place writing my thoughts. Um, I've really been um, applying uh, a lot of, like, when I'm riding my bike, I'm talking into a tape recorder so that I could uh, uh, just really try to um, – um, structure, analyze, organize my thoughts. I have not been in this kind of a creative mode since I honestly, 19, the 1980s, when I began doing all these different things that put together organizationally what the angels looked like in the 80s and the 90s. And now, I, I, like I said, I've not had this kind of a moment where you have energy and, um, and time at the same time. So um, I got this time to be more creative and I'm trying to utilize that. I'm having a good time with it. Joe, uh, greetings from our good friend Mitch Rosen, our director of programming yes. at the score, and I uh, want to make sure I sent that out to you. As far as um, some of these models that you've seen out there, um, what has the, the, have the Angels and Artie Marino been able to fill you in on as far as some of these models that we've seen? I know it's, uh, it's caused some uh, interest and consternation as well uh, when talking about isolating players for four and a half to five months. Uh, in in one uh, one area, you know, to be able to accomplish a season. What are your thoughts on some of those things that you've heard out there? Well, I mean, the only one I've really heard about, honestly, is this one, uh, the Arizona concept. And I, I really think that'd be very difficult. It goes beyond just isolation. It goes right down to purely weather. I mean, this place gets this this place gets hot, even at night in the summertime. It's over 100 degrees at night, and I I just believe that uh, eventually guys will wear down too quickly. I think there will actually be a loss of interest by playing in the one spot, one location constantly, going from a ballpark back to a hotel, any kind of a, a mental and physical quarantine. I don't know that you're going to get the product you're looking for. So I, I, don't, I don't really like that particular model. Um, I think there's other things. Um, I mean, I, I've been just like floating ideas about uh, actually incorporating dome stadiums throughout the country, um, Moving, moving groups around at, uh, over a period of time. The other thing is, like, we're just talking about all this. I, I really, just watching all this, this whole thing unfold right now, I'm going week by week. I mean, every, every week I hear something new or different. You might see, hear a lot of really uh, negative components, and all of a sudden it gets a little bit better next week. So I'm going week by week before I determine exactly um, what we're going to be able to do. And I know, you know there's, there's the, the pessimists out there, and everybody's going to start um, you know, a- applying actually analytics to this situation. I just want to wait and see. I'm going a week at a time. I think um, 
hopefully that if this starts to, to uh, roll in our favor a little bit better, that there's ways to get this season in in limited ballparks, uh, covered ballparks, that permits an actual schedule to be a, adhered to without any rainouts. You could actually consider an end date, which I think is the way to do it. You consider the last day of the season and work yourself backward from the moment you think you can play, and then you start dividing the games. And now the scheduling obviously is going to be difficult, and I'm not that smart, but I, I know somebody is. So I would, I would work uh, backward. You go to the end of the season, move it back to the day you think you can begin, fill up the number of games, uh, utilize covered facilities, um, et cetera. Those are the kind of things to me that would be uh, more amenable, interesting, and doable. It's the always thoughtful Joe Madden right here with us on 670 The Score and Inside the Clubhouse. That's the thing, Joe. It's like all these preparations, I'm reading them and hearing mm -hmm. about them, all these little models with a giant yeah. grain of salt. I guess it's a huge bag of yeah. salt, but it's a, it's a giant yeah. grain of salt about the science. But that said, yeah. like if they can be prepared, how mm -hmm. much is, is enough baseball to feel like you got something and proved something? Like any kind of World Series champ is going to be weird. It's all going to be different. No matter what, it's different. So if they could only play 30 games, if you could only play 30 games in a World Cup format or World Baseball Classic style format and then play a full postseason, is that worth doing? To me it is, but I wonder what you think. I think it'd be tough, honestly. I mean, if you're, if you're going to wait that long, uh, to re-engage, I, I already talked about the dimmer switches opposed to on and off. One thing you have to be really con uh, considerate of is what happens to the, to the athlete mentally at that point when you have all this uh, downtime and you want them to ramp it up for 30 games, 30 days, uh, what kind of product are you going to achieve right there? I, I don't know. I really don't know. That would be my concern with that. Um, I, I, I still like the idea of at least 100 games. And I like the idea of playing later into the year. I like Thanksgiving being the last game of the season. Um, I, I, I think, I don't know this for a fact, but I want to believe that's doable. Uh, I think 100 games minimum. I think you, you might be able to get up to 120 if you're able to get rolling at a specific time. I know it, it may begin with uh, nobody in the stands. That's fine. Uh, but I also believe that you could build in specific dates where you believe people can be in the stands. Uh, there's got to be a layered technique to this somehow. It just can't be like just jump out and start doing it this way, and it's going to be like this uh, the whole time through. So, again, complicated, absolutely interesting, no question. Uh, Re-engage fans and really uh, permit, us, permit us to be a part of the healing process, no question. There's, there's all kinds of items attached to this right now that I think are fascinating. Of course, the biggest thing is everybody's health, no question. There's beyond all that. And I'm just saying, if we get this rolling, looking at it week by week and see how this starts to um, hopefully lighten up, and that we can see the end uh, to then try to, like I said, try to structure utilizing different time zones, facilities, and build towards an end date. Uh, I think uh, we might be able to get more games than you think. Joe Madden joining us for a few more moments on the score. He's Matt on Bruce. We're here for you talking baseball every Saturday, 52 weeks out of the year on the score from 9 to 11. Mm -hmm. As far as, Joe, as far as your ball club, uh, what mm -hmm. are some of the positives that might roll out of a shortened season? And the first thing I come up with is maybe Otani and his ability to mm -hmm. actually pitch a little bit more for you, knowing that he's had this extra recovery time. Bingo. I mean, it starts right there. Uh, again, Shohei out there from the beginning of the season, my God, that's, that makes a big difference for us. Uh, Griffin Canning also uh, – could be close to being able to pitch at that time. This kid's really good. Canning's really good. Listen, 
I got a chance to see my guys up close, obviously, for a couple, three weeks, whatever it was. There's a lot more there than, than I was led to believe. I mean, especially on the pitching side, there's some good arms, and they're young, and uh, and they're very eager. So, yes, uh, Shohei, uh, he's, he's definitely going to he'll set the tone. Canning, heads up. And there's kids like Sandoval and Suarez. And, and don't overlook Bundy and Tehran. Um, these guys in the middle there, guys that have not been talked. These guys are absolute professionals. Bullpen-wise, <laughs> Ty Butchery, uh, really good arm to go with Robles. And we got Mayers and uh, – and Barnes out of the NL Central, and these are two guys that I think are about ready to, to, to really de- get something done. Well, and then look at the lineup. I mean, you start with Michael, and then uh, there's a Albert. Albert is really uh, in great shape right now. Uh, and look around the field, man. There's a lot, and, and then, of course, Anthony at third. But Angleton Simmons, man, you guys will love this guy. This guy's fascinating. This guy is really bright. This guy sees everything. Um, he's a different version of Javi. Um, you know, Javi's probably a little bit more physically gifted, but when it comes down to baseball IQ, it's, it's really strangely the same. Uh, love this guy. Uh, right around the diamond. So it's, it's a great group. Uh, miss our group back there, but it's a great group. I'm really fortunate to um, get to go home like this. And uh, I was just texting with Artie yesterday, as a matter of fact. So I'm eager about a lot of things. Hey, Joe, uh, here on The Score, we've been re-airing every game from the 2016 Cubs playoff run uh, with Ron Coomer and Pat Hughes and our guy Joe Ostrowski doing a pregame, hopping on between the in the middle of the game a couple times and then at the end. And it's been really interesting to listen to and relive. Last night was NLCS game six, Kyle Hendricks over Clayton Kershaw. And and mm-hmm. that moment, at that moment when the pennant is clinched at Wrigley Field, it got better, of course, but nobody knew it would get better. And and in a lot of ways, that's what everyone had been waiting for, just getting there, getting there and winning the pennant, having a home winner. Bruce, I know you said, what, the first one since 1932? First have a home, home pennant, pennant winner? winner at Wrigley since 1932, yeah. Wow. So it was wow. it was historic. Joe, uh, I, I think Matt was just leading up to you, you know, your thoughts on, on that game in particular. That's one of the most, out uh, <laughs> of the circumstances, could we have played any better? Um, that was almost like a perfect game of baseball from our side. Uh, pitching, uh, clutch hitting, defense, everything about that game. Wow, it was just uh, – that was just pieced together properly. I was so proud of our guys. And, um, yeah, that was the culmination of, you know, getting together in 2015 and then working our way through that year into 16. And then – and I don't, I don't think the one game that gets enough credit is the, the, the last game against the Giants in San Francisco. That's the game to me that – Probably won the World Series for us. I mean that yeah. sincerely from the bottom of my heart. Uh, Johnny Cueto was no fun, and he was not going to be no fun one more time, I'm telling you. And <laughs> to be able to battle back like we did where we had nothing going on, and Matty Moore for them pitched a great game that night. And, you know, the pinch hitting and the, some big hits up the middle uh, by Contreras and, and Javi, you have no idea because <laughs> I really was concerned in that game earlier in the game based on how that was playing out. So that was the that was the linchpin to the whole World Series for me was that game in in, in San Francisco, and then the, that was a perfect game that we actually played I think against the Dodgers and then of course um, coming back from the three one deficit that's another thing that I don't think gets talked about enough uh, the three one deficit how our guys battled back from that too. Hey, hey Joe, that night after Game Six, uh, the party on the field was just a, remarkable um, of the NLCS. <laughs> I have a picture sent to me 
I'm standing on the field watching as Chad Noble walks by in a speedo. Uh, <laughs> prepared, I think I got that prepared. for him, as a matter of fact. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get that for him? As like, I, yeah, that, I think that, that was, seemed to yes. be, yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, but that seemed that that seemed to be as uh, maybe a crazier night than than even after Game Seven, which was so fraught with emotion and, and wackiness. I don't know what can what can you tell us about the party and celebration after you guys make it oh, to you're the right. World Series? You're right. I mean, that's that's big. I mean, you know, once you get there, you've gotten there, and of course you want to win. But to get there, that is the chore. I mean, the same thing happened with the Rays in 2008, and the same thing happened with the Angels uh, in in 02. I mean. Wow, I mean, just the the uh, ugh, that that angst to get to that to that next uh, step, that last step, and have a chance to win it all. That's really that there is. There's you're right. There's there's a real celebratory moment right there. And uh, I remember standing out at second base on that little platform podium, whatever. And I just looking up there. I exactly what I was thinking about. Man, we did it. We got to the World Series. I didn't realize what Bruce and you guys had just said about the the division, uh, the clinching, the pennant clinching there. Uh, having been so long ago, but it is, it's a real satisfying feeling moment and it is celebratory and you, and you are. And then after like, when you win the world series, my God, like you said, you're emotionally, physically tapped. You're absolutely tapped. You might not have as much left in the tank, but yeah, that night was pretty good. And, and, and Noble's always good at any, at, during any celebration <laughs> and Tim Buss is uh, good at any celebration. We have a lot of guys up there that were really good during any celebration at any time of the year. Just in closing with you, uh, uh, Joe, and again, uh, Matt and I really appreciate the fellowship and the time today. Uh, when I, if, if I give you a word association and I say Chicago Cubs, what, what is the first thing that comes to your mind? Uh, game changer uh, for me. I mean, I, just talking about, uh, you know, if I want to get personal, uh, what it did for me and my family, having that opportunity, the Ricketts family, Theo, Jet, having the confidence in bringing me there, uh, being involved in that. And I get to live in that city. Listen, I say it all the time as a visitor um, coming in there. God, we, we used to be upset. We'd only go there one time a year. Then I got to live there for five years and, and take in all of what that means. And it, and it means a lot. I mean, I've often said, and I know a lot of guys have, everybody in Major League Professional Baseball, uh, Major League Baseball, should get a chance to work in Chicago with the Cubs at least uh, once in their career. So uh, as a, as a, uh, what it did for me and my family, uh, financially, emotionally, satisfactorily by winning a World Series, um, wow, it, it's all of that. I mean, I just, I just can't emphasize that enough. Thanks so much, Joe. What a, what a pleasure to talk to you and great for people to hear you. And, uh, hey, if you haven't had a chance uh, to read the Springsteen autobiography, Born to Run, it's pretty amazing. The guy can write words as well as he writes songs. Pretty outrageous. Rick Vaughn. Rick Vaughn gave me a copy that I have, and I got to check into it. I also want to say, great to talk with you guys. You guys, we had a great time together there. We're going to continue to uh, maintain our friendship, which I want to do uh, very strongly and badly. And please tell Mitch, give Mitch my best, too. Uh, Again, like nothing but warm fuzzies, man. And we're going to get through this, everybody who's listening. We're going to get through this. Keep following the procedures. We're going to get through this. We're going to be playing some baseball. And hopefully the last, uh, the seventh game of the World Series this year, if it happens, will be played on Thanksgiving. That's that's my that's my dream. Joe, uh, our best to you and Jay and your family. Stay happy and healthy, and thank you so much for the time today. Anytime, brother. You guys take care. See you, Bruce. All right, take care. See that's great, Bye-bye. Joe Madden, Bye-bye. joining us on Inside the Clubhouse. We're going to have to take a short break here, Matt. 
Uh, talk a little bit more about Joe and some of the other things going on here at 312-644-6767. And uh, this is Inside the Clubhouse. It's Madden. It's, uh, I'm sorry, it's, it's Matt, it's Bruce. It's every Saturday here on The Score. Rosenblum and Grody following us. And then at 2 o'clock, I misspoke. It's the NFC wildcard game from 2009, the highest scoring playoff game in NFL history, Green Bay at Arizona. That's on at 2 o'clock. And then Cubs-Indians World Series game one at 5. All of that right here on 670 to score. Welcome back on 670 to score. We got a roll, but my God, Bruce, thanks for getting your friend Joe Madden, our friend Joe Madden. It's a, it was really good timing, as a listener said, to hear his take on baseball and optimism and life itself, wasn't it? Yeah, it was great, Matt, and uh, such a great job you did uh, steering the show as you always do today. Thanks to the hospitality as well. People can follow me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine on our website at 670thescore.com, writing Sox and Cubs all day long. Talk to you next week, Matt. Thank you. All right, Bruce, talk to you tomorrow on Hit and Run. Uh, Boog Shambi, the baseball broadcaster and one of the first producers of This Week in Baseball, will be among the guests on Hit and Run, plus the great Chris Kamka. That's tomorrow, but Rosenblum and Grody are next, right here on 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.